0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me in our studio today, one of our CBH team members. He speaks on our Arabic language broadcast. His name is Nabil Safi. Nabil, so good to see you. Always good to be with you, Jim. Thanks. And as you can hear, he not only speaks Arabic, he speaks excellent English. And he speaks Arabic because he grew up in the Middle East, in Lebanon, in Beirut. Is that right? Yes, sure. And lived there your whole life until recently uh, you have come to the States. Yes, in the last five years. But Arabic is your first language. Indeed. And uh, that's important in our broadcast today because we're going to be talking to Nabil about that part of the world which so much is in the news. And uh, as he speaks Arabic language, he also understands the culture and the tensions, all of the opportunities and the challenges of that part of the world. Not only is that his home, but it's also the place where his family calls home. And we are so thankful, Nabil, that you can join us today as we just dive into understanding today's headlines and what we can do about them through the lens, not only of someone who has lived it, but also through the scripture. Stay with us. Nabil, uh, you spent your whole life in Beirut until just recently, and Beirut, of course, is is a city I think often misunderstood by the larger world outside. I say that because, having been to Beirut several times myself, it is astonishingly beautiful. And most people, when they hear of that place name, their first image is not of the Mediterranean crashing against the rocky coast or the beautiful hillside steep up from the sea and and the cedars of Lebanon and the cypress trees and all the rest. Most people don't see that they see a, a city in conflict with all kinds of tensions and violence. It has a long, sad
1: history of of difficulty. Tell me about the Beirut you know. How do you see it when you hear the name? Yeah, I'm just going to affirm what you're saying because, uh, uh, Jim, I grew up in that era and maybe in the late 70s, early 80s when Beirut was making uh, headlines and making the Time magazine, but, but it's not the way we want it to look like, like it was all dest- destroyed and destruction and war. But I grew up in Beirut where the Beirut that maybe it's a sch- schizophrenic, if you say it. it's like it has two personalities. It's a land of contradictions where in spite of the whole war, it's like a, a, a city that doesn't sleep. A cosmopolitan city, a metropolitan city that has all kinds of people living uh, during the day and uh, having fun during the night. And Sidewalk
0: it's... cafes and restaurants and yes, beaches and, and just beautiful <laughs> places and overlooks and vistas and parks.
1: It's all there yeah and, and and the people it's 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 about the people because i still remember when you used st- to go to restaurants and it's it's still war and uh shelling was taking place and the restaurants had those like big huge walls to protect their customers from from the snipers or from the shells right. so it's, w- w- people are creative and having fun over there <laughs> and That said, Beirut today exists as a kind of little island
0: bubble, Mm -hmm. uh, an uneasy truce, you might say, in the city itself. But it's very close to all of the destruction and the warfare that we read about so often in the news. How far is Beirut from, let's say, Syria? It's less than two hours drive. So, I mean, that's very close. When you think about what we read about in the civil war in Syria, not so far from Iraq either, mm-hmm. and the city of Beirut and the country of Lebanon has been repopulated with
1: refugees from those conflicts. So that yes. there's additional tensions now in this uh, tightly packed urban core. Yeah, 40% of our population and on, on top of our population now is from Syrian and uh, Iraqi refugees, like 1.6 million. It's, it's mm.
0: absolutely breathtaking when you think about the challenges the dangers, Mm. and also the opportunities in a place like that. But that brings us to what is so much on people's minds these days, so often in the headlines, the Islamic State. When we come back, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. what do you think about the Islamic State? Help us understand it, because if you're in Beirut and you're just two hours from Syria, you're very, very close Mm -hmm. to some of the most dreadful and appalling images of modern time. Nabil Safi is a Lebanese. He's in the States just now, but he knows very well his homeland and the city of Beirut and also the larger neighborhood, which is so much in the news today. Tell me, how can we best understand the Islamic State? What is it actually?
1: Well, it's both a uh, political and military and, uh, and an ideological thing. And uh well, the Islamic slate is, is not something new, honestly. It's something that has been in the works, in the making, for long and long. Personally, I think from, from what I've observed and what I've learned from my own experiences, that it's a spin off of Al-Qaeda. And, you know, the militant Islam, and I'm going to stress that because this is the minority in the Islamic it's population. It's a kind of radicalized, radicalized Islam. Radicalized Islam is divided, is not united and when you ha- when you have all this in the mix and everyone has their own ideology and a, a theology and eventually eschatology they tend to uh, manifest it in multiple ways so the islamic state eventually now is a call to recreate the caliphate and the caliphate is the organization that eventually rules over the over over the earth before the end days come
0: this is a kind of islamic idea
1: yes that Before the end of the age, there will be a
0: unitary Islamic government that is governing by the kind of radical edge that the Islamic State professes to implement and to believe. Correct. That's it? Correct. And so they're actually creating the, the kernel or
1: the core of that new caliphate, which is the herald of the end of the time. Is that fair? Correct. And the thing is, if we were observing al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, he was preparing that to be like uh, in the future, not during his own days, but uh, with things kind of uh, expedited. Now al-Baghdadi thinks different way. He has a different eschatology and he thinks that it can happen uh, during his time. That's Baghdadi is the leader of the Islamic State today. Baghdadi is the leader of Islamic State in, in Iraq and in Syria, which is ISIS. This is the acronym for that. And your
0: understanding would be that Osama bin Laden, for instance, saw that as an eventual reality but beyond his lifetime,
1: generationally speaking. But mm. the Islamic State guys, they think it's in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah they, it's in their lifetime. And now what we know is that they both excommunicated each other because of those kind of differences. So there's a separation and there's a huge divide. And on, on the field and on the battleground, they are in combat. They are opponents, not allies. No, they're not. No, they're not. And, and the
0: Islamic State, of course, is famous in the Western press and perhaps mm-hmm. in the Eastern press too for its atrocities, the way in which it kind of boldly captures on film things mm-hmm. that take our breath away, things I would describe as inhumanly cruel. Uh,
1: this has become their marker, their signature. What is that about? Honestly, Jim, for me, it's this is like humanity without God, a humanity that surrenders to evil, and this this happened like since the ancient of days and they, the ancient days. I mean, it happened all along. I mean, in, when when the wars happened, they they when we read history, we learn that these things happened. From the Assyrians all the way to the Persians, all the way, all the way, all the way. And even in recent history, I mean, when, where I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, similar things happen. But fortunately, we didn't have social media. We didn't commit a crime and then go on Instagram and, or <laughs> on yes, YouTube yes. To, to do that. So now it's happening, the same happening. But w- what's the difference today is that they are using this tool to be a horror tool for others, to horrify others. And my explanation for that is that they are horrified themselves. That's why they do that to others. And in that way of thinking, they're using social media and
0: modern technology as Correct. a kind of megaphone, mm-hmm. and they're doing it by design Yes, to not only just say, look at us, but to intimidate and to terrify others
1: who might get in their way. Is that part uh, of the pro- program? Uh, yes, especially the West. And they're using the English language as a standard language for the propaganda and communication to intimidate the West and to recruit folks and uh, younger folks, especially millennials, through the social media uh, from the West. Who are drawn to the extremes, maybe, from a culture
0: that is pretty wishy-washy.
1: Yes, and some of them have some anger issues. Some of them have some uh, real issues that they need to deal with that. They want to take it to the next level from the video games. So they go and express themselves on the field. Islamic State Knows Its Audience.
0: They know it very well. Is there a biblical frame of reference, uh, Nabil, that you might understand helps us interpret these current events? Because I know you're a man of faith, and you have lived up in a world where Mm -hmm. there are many different religious winds blowing, but you yourself have grounded in Christ— Looking at the scripture, is there some passage that comes to your mind when you look at what's going on in this place that you have called home?
1: Yes, in fact, uh, faith and God were the only ones to help me first reconcile with myself and with my surroundings, to be able to to stand still and uh, not be anxious in what's going on. And there's a biblical reference I would like to share with you. It's, in, it's found in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. It talks about the man of lawlessness. And Paul is telling the Thessalonians, hey, don't let anyone deceive you in any way of what's going on around you. I'm just adding that. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. And this verse kind of uh, gives me kind of a certain lens to look uh, of what 's going on in the world, like I believe that the man of lawlessness is already released there 's a spirit of lawlessness yes that is uh, running ahead of us now yeah it 's not an individual it's that, yeah there's a spirit, yeah, you, you put it really well in a, in this uh, word spirit, yes and the spirit of the
0: Antichrist is referenced in other places of scripture that, correct that there is this kind of lawless. Force Correct. That I would say is originated in hell and it's unleashed. It is. And you're, you're seeing that in the world today and especially in the Middle East. You, it's the spirit, this, this hell-bent spirit
1: yes. uh, at work in these events. Yes. And it affirms uh, the, the scripture when it says that our, our war is not with flesh and blood. Our war is with uh, this spirit, this evil spirit. Yeah. And that suggests that the
0: war cannot be won with just material and physical means. Oh, that definitely. That a spiritual battle that must be fought, which really goes to the root causes of what we see.
2: Ha, God. A consuming fire A burning holy flame With glory and freedom Our God is the only righteous judge
0: Nabil Safi, who speaks in Arabic on the Christians Broadcasting Hope affiliate program to our English program Viewpoint, Arabic language program that is broadcast throughout the Middle East. Nabil, we're so glad you're here. We're talking about events in this, your home neighborhood, the Mm -hmm. Middle East, though you are Lebanese. These are very small countries with proximate borders, just two hours' drive from your home place to... Just 80 miles. 80 miles to Syria and the Islamic State and so on. As we've been talking about these events and you've suggested that in the scripture it tells us, don't be alarmed, there's going to be a spirit of lawlessness personified as a, a man of lawlessness who's, who's going to have some free reign. And all of this must happen before the end of the age. And we're living in a time when we kind of see that spirit of lawlessness at work. And as you have been helping us kind of put that frame around us, you've also suggested that that helps us understand that, these current events, the headlines, are not just on the surface material. There's Mm. a spiritual root. There's a spiritual contest. We war not against the flesh and blood alone, but against powers in the heavenlies. Well, what does that say to us? First up, my question is, do you think that the Islamic State is a
1: threat to the whole world or just to that area that they can drive to? Honestly, it's a threat, it's a real threat to the whole world. And I'm not trying to intimidate or to instill fear in anybody's heart. But I'm trying to create reality in, in, our, in our perception. Like any organization that wants to expand, the Islamic state has uh, local desires, regional desires, and international and global. And they are, all, they are already there and they are manifested in some kind of uh, small operations and some operatives that are doing that in Europe, and now I'm sure that there are cells that are maybe uh, sleeping cells in the United States as well. So it's it's a global phenomenon. And the Islamic State has already demonstrated that it can be very cunning and very sophisticated
0: in its Mm -hmm. approach and strategies, and so it's not surprising to imagine that they would have a global strategy as well as a local one. Correct. And if that be true, then what should I do? What should any of us do?
1: Anyone listening today, is is it something we just have to kind of wait and see? Or what would you recommend? Well, I'm not an expert in that. I'm i am just sharing my, again, my observations and, and what I learned in, in life. And uh, the thing is, as much as the threat is, is real, and I'm going to share like a, a little bit of information about Twitter, for example. There are like millions and millions of uh, tweets in Arabic. And Twitter kind of uh, released the statistic that one of every five tweets uh, supports ISIS. Mm. So this is like a sobering fact. At the same time, uh, if, if, if you look at the half full of the cup, you look at the four fifth that are not supportive. And, and this affirms that not everyone in the Islamic faith is a militant Muslim and they're not trying to do something harmful to everyone. So this affirms that. And another one is that God is in control no matter what. And I believe that our job or our task as Christians to be the non-anxious presence in the world. And the more we are solid in our relationship with God, the more we know that this is something that we already know. And we know it through the Bible. We know it through Scripture. And we know the end of the story and we are the victors of the one who won the war. And going back a little bit to the uh, eschatological piece and so that no one can misunderstand that, although you will see lots of media and propaganda about that, and in fact the number one propaganda piece for Islam, for the Islamic State is it's called Dabik, and Dabik is a city in northern Syria and it's um, it's the city that it's supposed to where the end is going to happen there the end end battle they say it's see it like, as a kind of armageddon it's like an armageddon yes okay so w- when i put this into perspective then then i'm also reminded by scripture i'm reminded by king david when he was facing goliath and in and in human terms these are like these are two opponents that cannot match each other's Human, it's very of, disproportionate. It's disproportionate. Humanly speaking, yes. But what David says, hey, you're coming to me with a sword, with a, with an arrow, and with uh, uh, with a spear, and with with the javelin. But I come to you with the name, with the name of the of Almighty God. And now, for us, this kind of scripture is coming to life again, to be alive again. It's it's testing us. Are we going to trust God with a small pebble or not? so it's a true test for us however being followers of Christ it's all about love and this is where where the where the corner tends to go or where where the conversation i want the conversation tend to go eventually because this is the way that we can stand out from the crowd we call it shocking grace if you don't know know about that already but uh, the crisis of the refugees what's happening uh, happening all over the world the first responders I would say 99% of that is Christian organizations are, are the first responders to that. And th- this speaks volumes, in spite of all the violence of what's going on and all the propaganda that's going on. This speaks a lot of volumes. And there are lots of practical ways that we can talk later about that as well, Jim. But
0: I'm hearing you say that in the face of a real threat,
1: no yes. matter where we are in this world
0: today, we need to be grounded in Christ And to walk as he did and understand this is a spiritual contest, not just a physical one. Yes. And be able to employ his spirit in helping us uh, act out as he would act out. And that there is power in love, loving even our enemies and loving those who are different from us and loving those who may be refugees that show up at our doorstep and, and just actually trusting God to use some small stones to fell Goliath,
1: if that's what it takes. But we have to trust God. It's his battle. Yeah, I want to stress also on love, because we cannot fight fire with fire. The more you persecute someone for their own beliefs and their own values, the more it becomes their identity. It reinforces. It reinforces what they're doing. This is what happened to the early church, and it happens to everyone that's persecuted in every walk of life. So freedom in Christ tells us to love and accept people as they are. Maybe we, cannot, we don't want to accept their lifestyle or, what, or their actions, but we want to accept them and show them unconditional love. And this is what, differentiate, what differentiates the followers of Christ because they show consistent love no matter what the situation is.
0: And this is a testimony, Nabil, that's born out of your own journey in the Middle East because mm-hmm. you grew up in a land war-torn. Different actors but still terrifying. Oh, yeah. And you survived with this kind of a frame of reference and a faith. Correct. To all of our listeners today, we are not sure exactly where you live and what challenges you face. And you may not be facing the Islamic State up close and personal, but you may have some challenges. You may have some enemies or opponents. You may have some difficulties from which you cannot understand a way of escape. But we want you to know that in this world, there is a spiritual frame that underlies what you see with your physical eyes. And we want you to know that Jesus Christ the Lord is more than able to help you navigate and even overcome whatever it is that the enemy of our souls can put before you. Be encouraged. But your first step is to surrender your own life into the Lord's hand. Then, once you are His, He can help guide you and empower you to love and to do in ways that you could not otherwise even imagine. Take a step there with us right now. Join us in a prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful today that in this troubled world, there is order, even in the midst of chaos, and that order comes from you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you have revealed to us that there are spiritual powers at work in the immediate physical world that challenges us. We pray, Lord, for all those who have been deceived by the Islamic State, for instance, who think they might find life there. We pray in a supernatural way that you'll open up eyes, that they will understand, those who are drawn to it, that there is a better way, and there is a way that does give life, but it is not hate-filled, it's love-filled. And for everyone, Lord, who is struggling right now, we pray that they will be able to surrender their lives into your hand, admitting that the world is beyond us, we cannot manage it ourselves, and we ourselves are not worthy. Forgive us of our sin, breathe into us new life, and make us new. We are so thankful, Lord, that you hear our prayer and use us as instruments of peace and overcoming all that is dark. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can wage this battle, how you can surrender your life into God's hand, how you can stand up, in Jesus' name, clothed by grace and love in a way that can change the world, well, just give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. You can also check us out online, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there, support the ministry there, Send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send us a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call, go online, or send us a letter by post, let us hear from you this week. Nabil, I am so glad always to be in your company and today's conversation has just raised a hundred more questions in my head and I want to say to our listeners, I hope you'll join us again next week when Nabil is back with us and we're going to continue to explore how we can make sense of the tortured world that is now the Middle East and also coming closer to our doorstep. Nabil, thanks for coming alongside. Thank you very much, Jim. And thank you for tuning in. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.